Hey, everybody, it's Cindy here, and it's time for another episode of the Life Makeovers podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure and share this podcast if you find value and you think some of your friends or colleagues or family would enjoy it. And uh, basically, we're having conversations here about uh, real life, you know, real life with real people, how we've gotten through some of the hardest times of our lives, some of the things we're looking forward to, even as we age, and all kinds of yummy things are coming up in these conversations. So I'm really thrilled you're here, and I'm so excited to introduce you today to my guest, my friend, Kathy Pryor. Hello, Kathy. Hello. Hi, hi, hi. So happy to be here. Thank you so much for being here. Kathy, you and I, Kathy's from Lawrence, like me, and although she's lived here a lot longer than I have, but we met, oh, probably five years ago or so. Um, I'm real close to one of your siblings, and uh, we've I've started attending a spiritual community you're involved with, and yeah, we've, had, we've got all kinds of elements to our relationship. <laughs> yes, we do. It's wonderful. I love it. Oh, I do too. Thank you so much. So, so when you uh, thought about coming on the podcast and you were, I, were you reflecting on uh, what were your reflections about uh, midlife or do you still feel like you're in your midlife or where are you at? Like people define it so loosely, you know, yeah. I have 30 year olds in midlife, 70 year olds who say they're in midlife, you know, whatever. I don't, I yeah. yeah. What's it well, like? I believe I'm in my midlife right now. I'm 65 I years old. And awesome. I just retired in June, as you know, my 40th career at KU. Oh my so gosh. I reflected on it. I thought of all the amazing things that I have learned and experienced, especially I'd say in the last 10 years, mm. that would just be amazing if young women could find some of these things before they're 65. And, yes. you know, Yes, I think about young women a lot. Having worked, you know, with KU students, college students for so long, I adore that age group because they're not old enough to, um, they're old enough to be away from their parents, but they still, they still need mentorship. And so for 44 years, I had the, I'm super grateful to have had the opportunity to work with college students. So to me, it's, it's, but looking back and and looking at all those wonderful, rich nuances of things we learn about ourselves that it wouldn't it be nice if we knew that in our thirties and forties. So. Oh my gosh. Yes. I feel the same way about life. Like I, if I had known when I was 20, what I knew when I was 40, <laughs> yeah. maybe it would have been a whole different story. Maybe not though. Maybe that's part of the path. Like maybe well, that's yeah. how it's I don't think that out. until we go through those experiences, how else are we going to learn? So you have to do it. Everybody has their own journey. But it is fun to think about, you know, what what it would have been like. And I felt more for me, a lot of it is around empowerment mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. trusting my perception of the world. I've had a tendency not to trust what I think, not to trust my own instincts. Mm-hmm. It took me years to find my voice. So those mm-hmm. are the kinds of things I think about a lot is trusting myself, trusting my perception, trusting my instincts, mm-hmm. and really spending time working on my own stuff instead of worrying about what everybody else is doing, particularly whatever the man in my life, right? I think I was pretty typical growing up in society. You know, I uh, grew up, I was in the high school in the seventies and college in the seventies. So for me, it was still that time period when, you know, you were defined by what men thought and 
you know, like many of us, we were defied from the time we were little girls. So it took me a long time to figure that out. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So were you a hippie? No, I missed it. I mean, you still sort of are. Let's just kind say. Of, yeah, but. let's face it. I'm definitely, yeah, I'm definitely not your typical. I don't, yeah. I mean, I was younger than the people with that were hippies, but I was always drawn towards towards that. My sister was five years older, sister Laura, and she was more that age, but I used to just adore everything she did. And so she made a, a big influence on my life for sure. Yeah. So if you could give you know, what do you think the college aged or young adults need to know about life that we know, or maybe, you know, in our more wisdom years, like what would serve them the best to know now in college, young adult years, whatever. I, I honestly think a lot of it has to do with finding ways to nurture themselves so that then they have the freedom to grow spiritually. Because we have a tendency in the society to think about our physical body a lot. Look at all. I mean, we all do it. I do it. We yes. think about our emotional competency. Emotional competency has been a big you know, thing and it's super important. So mind and body. But yes. until sometimes until we get older, we don't look at that spiritual side of us. And now that I'm the age I am, to me, that's the most important part. <laughs> so I still think it's important to work on my body. I still think it's important to be emotionally healthy and be able to distinguish what am I feeling now? What is my motivation? What are the kinds of questions I need to, is it the truth? Is it something else? So it's that kind of area. Those are emotional competencies, but for me, it's the spiritual, it's the spiritual life that it's taken me too long to think about. I, that's, I don't, I'm going to say I don't regret it because otherwise I wouldn't be who I am today. But I think that spiritual life is something we, all of us kind of forget about, and certainly younger people do. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you'd like to see a, a greater spiritual focus or um, kind of some establishing some truths or whatever beliefs around all that in the younger adult years. So people can be more empowered to just step right into the fullness of that. Huh? Yeah. Yep. I have seen young women. I still do. Um, and I think of something that was said to me when I was in my twenties, one of my counselors, I started counseling in my late twenties. I've always loved personal development, everything from counseling to, you know, I did, I'm, as you know, I'm a recovering alcoholic. So I've had 10 years of sobriety. I love those kinds of the dynamics of who we are as humans and why we do what we do. I love that. But I can remember a counselor a long time ago telling me, if you could only figure out, Kathy, how powerful you are. And to me, I thought she was saying something negative because I didn't understand. Oh. Well, what she was saying is, if you could ever realize what a powerful human you are in love and support and generosity, and you know, then you would be on fire. And I see women all the time like that. I think, oh my goodness, if that if that young woman could just see how incredible she is, she would be taking the world by storm, you know? Yes. Yeah. That true stepping into themselves unapologetically, right? Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I talk about that a lot in my book, the midlife makeover method. And of course yeah. that's the heart and soul of my coaching programs too, is just even, you know, helping women in their fifties, sixties, who still 
are struggling with that, right? Yep. right? They don't yep. know who they are, like, and, and the value they have just because they're here. Like, exactly. we don't have to look okay. a certain way or have a certain whatever, or blah, 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 play a certain role or. Yeah. Yeah. What? You helped me Where's a lot that? with that, Cindy. You helped me a lot with that. As you know, I took your three-month coaching before I retired and it was the best choice I could have possibly made last year. Because for three months, you really helped me focus on what I needed to focus on so that by the time I retired, I was so complete. I felt 100% complete, honored, um, loved, and respected. And I was able to just close that chapter. And I think sometimes we don't take enough time to, if, sometimes we don't know what's going to come up. But I knew my retirement was coming up. And I knew it was a big deal. My life has been, my life has been in that department. So to work with you for those last three months was just a gift because by the time I got there, boom, I was ready. <laughs> yeah, well, it was such a gift for me too. So thank you so much. And I, I love what you're saying here. I, I feel like part of what you're communicating is we can be intentional about everything. Like you wanted to retire well. You wanted to walk away feeling that completeness you're talking that you were just mentioning um, and really let yourself leave like with no, without any T's uncrossed or I's dotted or whatever and feel really good about it. And I think sometimes people approach life just going, well, I, you know, I'll do my, the best I can, but whatever happens, you know, happens. And it's like, well, sort of maybe sometimes but what's in it whatever is it within our own power our own control then we can really set deliberate intentions and take deliberate steps and have and get our mindset behind what we're really trying to create and lay out there and I think that's what you did so beautifully and that's why that turned out to be such a, a joyous peaceful um wrap up of a big chapter in your life huge mm -hmm. yeah, yeah so how are you holding out since since the big day <laughs> well I'm glad I have friends yeah I'm glad I have friends that did this before me because I think probably honestly the biggest challenge for me has been just letting it be okay that I don't have to do certain things I mean letting it be you know having that piece of freedom right I'm going to go lay down and read a book for two hours and I'm just last couple of weeks, I've just now started going, uh, this is this is good because I kept for a while and I think it's normal feeling disoriented, like there was something I should be doing and I'm not doing it. So the last couple of weeks, I've really melded into it, but I can't imagine how it would have been had I not taken your class. So, so it's been so wonderful. I'm super happy. I'm taking Tai Chi for the first time, which I love. Started nice. that book club again that I used to have. I had a book club with some incredible women for about 15 years and it just kind of went by the wayside probably 10 years ago and we started that back up so oh, having a great time oh so you're finding your balance now I'm you're finding, finding my balance yeah yeah well you have had such a full 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 life with your your full-time job and you have a, a good-sized family that you're heavily involved in and you've got other boards you've been on organizations you're involved with, a lot of political activism. I mean, lots and lots of flavors to the life of Kathy Pryor. So you were balancing, juggling, balancing so many things. Um, so, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> it 
like the one piece that probably took the most time, I would guess, in any given week of your life is done. So I bet that's a little shocking. It's very shocking. You know, the one thing I, of course, you have these fantasies. Oh, as soon as I retire, I'm going to work out every day and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. For all of my grandchildren. <laughs> right? Exactly. I've been to work out maybe five times. <laughs> well, better than nothing, right? I know. It's just so weird for me because when I was in my 30s and 40s and into my mid 50s, I worked out like six days a week. And was wow. really obsessed with working out hour and a half a day, yada, yada, yada. And then when I turned 50, I remember running on a treadmill for almost an hour. And then when I stopped, I felt like Forrest Gump because I was like, I don't know, I'm kind of done. And I have fought with myself since then. So be careful what you say. <laughs> I fought for the last 15 years to get back to a really good routine. So it's okay. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I love your, your loving your new, your new routine, your new life, uh, your second chapter or your 10th. I don't know how many chapters we get in life, but whatever right. it is, this new season. When you were watching or witnessing um, the older women in your family when you were younger, like, what did you learn from watching them, do you think? Or do you mm. remember? I mean. Yeah, no, I remember. I mean, some of it's not good. Um yeah. My my best positive role model was my Aunt Jane. Oh. Aunt Jane and Lucille Ball were my role models. Oh, really? Uh, yes. I oh, love tell me more about I them. loved yeah. Lucille Ball. I watched her all the time. I thought she was absolutely hysterical. I thought she <laughs> was beautiful and powerful. And then my Aunt Jane was also very funny. Uh, to me, a sense of humor is a huge, important to me. It's just, it's mm -hmm. in my family. We all have a good sense of humor. So my Aunt Jane, she was very independent. Um, by the time I started knowing her very well, my Uncle Bill, her husband had died. She was a professional administrator for an insurance company in Kansas City. Wow. She always looked fantastic because she had nice makeup and nice clothes and her fingernails were always done and she traveled a lot. And every time I saw her, she just made me feel so special. She wow. was just so present with me. And for me, that's a big deal in my family because I was not, I don't know, it's, I was not necessarily the one that got or was got attention or wanted attention because I was real shy. So she just rocked my world. And honestly, I didn't even realize it until I was probably in my 50s. And I was like, oh my gosh, I started thinking about life, my life and what Aunt Jane meant to me. And I realized she was my role model. And um, a lot of that really makes sense too, you know? I mean, I'm married and have been for 36 years, but I'm super independent. And um, I hope, I think I have a good sense of humor. I sure like to laugh. Um, and then, but my mom, I love her and now I get this, but when I was younger, my God, she had nine children. I mean, you know, nine children with one of them terminally ill. We owned our own grocery store that was hooked onto our house. So all of us worked. My mom had to take care of nine kids plus work in the store. And, but I could tell that she didn't like my dad. And so for me, I was scared to death to make a commitment because I wanted to fight any guy that was, it was like, you know, not, I was not picking people that were abusive or anything like that. They were wonderful men. I just couldn't figure out how to commit to them because all I saw was, you know, I don't like you. So it's, my husband is the one who turned that around. <laughs> He's pretty special. 
he must be amazing. I mean, if he if he was able to help you shift that pattern and yeah. so forth by being yeah. himself, his wonderful self. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And I love more of what you said there too, because you bring up a great point that in general in life, you know, our perceptions of others are based on our experience, our filters, our this, our that. They might be all of what we're thinking they are, but we may have just a whole other uh, impression we're putting on other people. And so, and that's okay, but we just need to own it, right? I agree. And with my mom, especially, I mean, once I got to be an adult, and I started doing things like being a professional instead of you know, being a professional, having my own children. She started liking me, you know, and so we we ended up. As a matter of fact, it's funny because I am almost exactly like my mother. Are you really? <laughs> oh, yeah. All my siblings will tell you. I I drive. I mean, my goodness, it's frightening. What comes out of my <laughs> mouth? I'm like, that sounded like Laura Louise. <laughs> But she was, a I mean, I can say to you now, I would be proud to be like that because she lived in gratitude. To me, I taught, I learned more from her about living in gratitude than mm. anyone else. And it, you know, one of the things I do is I take a characteristic default of a uh, fault of mine or weakness every year. And then I work on that specifically for a whole year and just zone in on that. Oh yeah. I've been doing it for a long time, but it, I used the word gratitude, learning how to be grateful for two years before I could live in gratitude, because now I really do understand what it means to live in gratitude, but it took me two years to figure it out. But my mom did that. And I was like, I am going to live in gratitude. I'm going to figure it out. And yeah, I haven't figured out my word for this year, but um, last year, my word was freedom. And you helped me do that. an A plus student getting your freedom for sure. So I'm very proud of you for that. Well, I love that picking one thing to work on and really focusing on it. Again, that's very intentional living there. I love that. Um, <clears throat> so what's been the most difficult thing you've ever faced in these, you know, in midlife? Well, gosh, at this age, looking back, of course, it was, um, I lost a sister when she was 17 and I was 15. And she had been in a, she had been ill for nine years. She had hepatitis. Oh so gosh. last month of her illness, she was in a coma and we would take turns sitting with her to give my mom and my mom a break. Um, so that was extremely difficult. And then I'm a survivor um, being objectified for a long time. And, and honestly, I am a, I was from the time I was a little tiny little girl, I was fear-based everything. I was afraid of everything. I was afraid of everybody. And wow. I can see that now in myself, even now today, I get, I get scared. I get afraid of things and I have to go, that's what's happening. You're afraid. Just mm. it's okay. Go ahead and do it anyway. But mm. so for me, some of it has been just um, learning how to know who I am against all those kinds of things that were put upon me when I was younger. Mm. And um I also think for me, learning how to distinguish, I really did not know Cindy and maybe other people don't either. I was not self-aware enough to know how to recognize a feeling or distinguish one from the other. Mm. It was hard for me to distinguish as an example, hurt from anger. Mm. I was hurt, yeah. I would immediately go to anger, but I never understood for years that that wasn't anger. I was hurt and I was 
you know, so does that, that, that to me is a huge thing. It is huge. And I think, you know, the, the, the big word for all that is emotional intelligence. If anyone right. puts that phrase out there, emotional intelligence, it's really an understanding of our emotional makeup and what's going on with us. And, and most of us are raised with three feeling words, sad, oh. mad, glad. Oh. Sad, mad, glad. We're either happy or we're sad or we're mad, right? It's basically how we're, we're raised. I mean, because that was kind of the level of emotional understanding and intelligence for most people who raised your generation and mine. Oh. And so then language has gotten a little more sophisticated and self-awareness and the self-help movement and all that, that really started thriving in the 80s and 90s and so forth, gave, yes, given us more words and more understanding that, oh, even if I'm reacting, I'm not necessarily mad. I'm really underneath, there's a real sadness there or there's disappointment or there's frustration or there's loneliness or there's, you know. And yeah. so I think you're absolutely right that it is, a, it is a, an opportunity for greater expansion for most people to get a little more sophisticated with their own emotions and understand that many things can be happening no matter what it looks like on the outside. Yeah. Do you think women are, are not necessarily women, but that's the subject today. Do you think women are better now about being able to distinguish those things? Certainly they should be probably more so than my generation, you know? Yeah, I think it's improving because I, I just think there's a lot more accessibility. A lot more people are having those conversations and there's a lot more books out there and podcasts and TV shows even. And, you know, even talk shows traditionally have dealt with, you know, yeah not just celebrities, but like, what are the problems of the world? What are people feeling? What's really going on? You know, and that kind of thing. And we have, you know, famous psychiatrists, psychologists, we've all seen over the decades, right? Who provided some help with all of that for us. So yeah, I think it's getting better and better if people feel safe enough to be vulnerable enough to tap into all of that. Yeah, exactly. all that too there's the avoidance you know (laughs) avoidance of the whole thing yeah bothers me no everything is always fine at our house I mean you know that whole whole thing yeah oh yeah um, yeah but anyway to get back to you you it sounds like you've had you know you grew up with a lot of grief and some trauma yeah and things that you've really had to move through and beyond uh in into your adulthood as you you were finding your way. Yeah, with nine children, you know, all of those things are natural to occur. You know, we had a brother that was in Vietnam that we, he was, we thought he was lost for a long time, MIA. And then I have a sibling who's a non-binary trans with trans person. So that's been an incredible journey to go on with my sibling. And, you know, it's, it's been wonderful. I, I am now, Jim is my third husband. I was married for a brief time right after college. I was 20 years old and did not know <laughs> think about myself, but everybody was doing it. So I got married. I mean, was it like, oh, I met him and then three weeks later, you know, we eloped or was it, was no, there? We, went to, we actually went to high school together, but we didn't date in high school. We didn't start dating until college at Pittsburgh State University for a couple of years. And he was in a fraternity. I was in a sorority. I was the Sigma Chi, sweetheart of Sigma Chi. I was, you know, and he was in that Sigma Chi. <laughs> So, you know, it was that very typical 
Oh, yeah. Being a young woman and a young man, and he was Perfect wonderful. Couple nothing, involved. nothing in common. And as a matter of fact, it's so funny because I'm progressive liberal, as you know. This wonderful man, and he still is, is a one percenter, and he's very, very, very conservative. <laughs> oh, well, you really, you really were not aligned in that area of your life. No, no. And then I got married uh, a couple about five, six years later, and had my baby boy, Christopher. So. Um, Ken and I were married for just three years um, and we were it's once again I didn't know what I was doing and it was, wasn't all my fault but I really took responsibility for a lot of it he was a great guy um, and he certainly had his definitely had his issues but um, and then I found Jim and Jim and I got married when I was 28 and you know I mentioned to you he taught me well when we were first I honestly probably first at least five or six years we'd get into a, a row or an argument or a fight and I'd be like, well, that's done. I'm done. Mary, I'm divorcing you. And he was like, I didn't divorce somebody because you had a fight. <laughs> well, ah, <laughs> like, no, what is your problem with commitment? <laughs> <laughs> You're uh, so going to stay here and fight with me for the rest of your life. <laughs> yes. And here I am. 30 and that's marriage. <laughs> Welcome to marriage, Kevin. I know, I know, but you know what? Our last, I mean, my gosh, it for us, it just keeps getting better. I love it so much. Yeah, I'm so grateful. We have four beautiful children and seven grandchildren. So, so, so grateful and lucky. We, you know, when we got together, the children were, let's see, 84. Chris was two. My, my son, Christopher, was two. TK was three. Kelly was five. And Molly was seven. And Molly is now 45. Oh, so, wow. yeah, well, they're my baby. I mean, a long-lasting marriage these days. I mean, it's so exciting to hear. I really love hearing that. Mm -hmm. And so for those thinking about getting married or in a marriage and maybe you're feeling a little um, discouraged, like what would you say is really important to to bring to marriage or what's what's helped you and Jim keep yeah. that marriage going? and not be fighting all the time. Cause I know you're not, I'm just, I was yeah, just no, we're not, but we did. We used to, you know, for me, once again, it was my, not, he's got his issues, but you know, that's for another day for yeah. me. It was, um, I, for a long time, I had to be right. Well, we both have to be right. I've given up needing to be right, which helps a lot. <laughs> okay. So give up <laughs> right all the time. Well, not being right all the time. Who cares? <laughs> Well, I think it it's was not a competition. It's not, you know, from us, sometimes I think, and I've seen this before, I think sometimes couples get into a competitive kind of thing. I know better than you do about, you know, not that you say that, but you're thinking, I know that better than you do. Yep. And I think giving that up has been huge for me. And it's like the other day he said something and I was like, I'm absolutely positive that's not correct. But I was like, oh, okay, great. Thanks. And wow. Wow. <laughs> And then you walk away rolling your eyes, right? I yeah. Oh, I rolled my eyes. Kindness <laughs> <laughs> sense of humor, our sense of humor, you know? And, yeah. uh, you know, and honestly, of course, always putting our, we have always put our children first. And now wow. it's our grandchildren. Because, of course, we came, we were a melted marriage. So, you know, yeah. boy, was it easy to go into division or camps or but for us, you don't do that. The kids come first, even with like, we're really good friends with my, uh, with my son's father, Christopher's dad. And we're really good friends with Jim's, my Molly Kelly and TK's bio mom, Teresa. 
and uh, wouldn't have it any other way. We're spending some time together next week, as a matter of fact. So wow, You're, you've blended well then. Yes. Well, and being a stepmom is a whole nother level, you know. Yes, and you know, I just was in a, a meeting with someone who whose expertise is step families, and she said that it, it, there is a very fast. I wish I remembered the percentage. It is a vastly growing population, step families in the United States, step moms, lots of new step moms every day. What, what is your encouragement for those step boundaries? Got to set boundaries. I mean, I'm telling you, it, I can, what I observe now that I look back and also when I was in it, um, your stepchildren don't have the unconditional trust for you that they have for their parent. So yeah. if I would be the one to discipline or get angry or upset with the kids, it would devastate them because they didn't know that I was going to love them unconditionally. So what I learned very quickly was to not be the parent. I'm not, and I've always said, I'm not the mom. I, I respect Teresa a hundred percent. And so when we, when the kids were growing up, I tried really hard not to be the one who was the discipline, Marion. Um, and I'm not really that way anyway. It was really, it was kind of natural, but I recognized how, if I did get frustrated with the kids, it would scare them because they didn't, they didn't know me. And so we have built now, as a matter of fact, one of the things about trusting your perception, I got a note the other day from someone who said, you know, your perception is really keen, but you're not sharing that enough with your own children because you're so worried about being overbearing that you're not giving them good advice. It was like, wow. Wow. Yeah. I try to ask the kids if it's okay if I give you an opinion before I give them an opinion, <laughs> but sometimes I hold back. You know, so anyway, that's kind of one thing for sure is to just realize how frightened they must be, you know? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm getting married. I have a second marriage coming. And of course, we have five young adult children between us. And so we've never raised each other's children, you know, because we came so much later in our lives, they were all already grown and gone from our homes and so forth. So we we entered you know, the empty nest years when Ed and I got together almost six years ago. And, um, but I really find, you know, I will never, I'm sure none of them will ever think, oh, Cindy's our stepmom. You know, <laughs> they probably won't think that. And that's fine. I think I'll be dad's wife, Cindy, you know, or whatever. And that's great. That's perfectly fine. That's who I yeah. am. And so I strive to figure out a lot like I've done with my own children like how am I an adult having an adult to adult relationship with these people exactly. but yet I whether they know it or not I feel very nurturing and maternal toward them I'm not yes. trying to be their mom they have a mom too they do not need me to be their mother but I can be maternal and nurturing, very supportive, kind of one of their cheerleaders there if they want to talk or whatever. And I really pay attention to all of them. Like I, I really pay attention to them. Like I'm interested in them. I'm interested in their jobs, where they live, who their friends are, what's important to them, what they don't like, you know, da, 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 da. And uh, I think that's so important for for step families or blended families, or I, I don't even like labels, but when you're in that kind of situation to really, it's, it's important. Yeah, like it is. if you love their parent, 
Yeah. Love them. Yeah. Love them. Well, and it's, it's up, developed right? into a beautiful family for us. You know, Chris, oh. if Jim and I had not gotten married, you know, it's highly possible I would have only had one child. So Chris has Molly, Kelly, and TK. And they, they love each other so much. Chris lost a baby a couple of years ago. And, you know, I was with him then and yada, but like the next week, all three siblings flew out to Portland, which is where he was living at the time and spent time with him just to be with them, just to help him get through that trauma. And it was like, that is so special. It's really amazing. Yeah, really amazing. So So there's a real feeling of family. Absolutely. Uh, just as if you all started out together in a way. Exactly. Yeah. It's, I really yeah. felt that um, over Thanksgiving, we went to Ed's youngest child's home and he's married and they have two kids and a new grandson. And the kids, when they had their first child, asked me to be a grandmother. They said, please be her grandmother. You know, I love that. One of her grandmothers. And I'm like, oh. Thank you. You know, I'm all over it. And so of course I am all over it. So I'm down there and I was holding little new little Ezra. He was just a month old at the time. And I was holding him and I was staring at him. And I thought, I tried to imagine if one of my biological children had had him, would he seem different to me than he did in that moment? And I just I mean, I know I don't know for sure because I'm not that I don't have biological grandchildren at this point. Don't know if I ever will, you know, maybe, maybe not. But I just my heart just bursted with love for that baby. And I you know, I know I'm grandma. I'm I'm one of I mean, he's got other, you know, they've got other grandmas and grandpas. So I just uh I just my heart does not just know blood as family. Right. I, it never has actually. I grew yeah. up with step families and I have, I have friends who are like a circle of family to make me. And so I, I guess my encouragement in this conversation that I know you align with is that it's, we define who our people are. Like, and, oh, and we love, define is love. love is love. It is. I remember, you know, having seven grandchildren, only two of the seven are my bio babies. And I'll never forget Molly, our oldest, had her, had Lucas 14 years ago. He's 14 now. And I happened to be in a Zumba class when I heard that she had the baby. (laughs) Because, you know, of course, as rightly so, her mom was there and her sister, but I was here. And I just remember bawling my head off and my friends were worried. I was like, no, I just became a grandma. And it was... And I loved him. I was able, they let me go out, not let me, but um, Jay, Molly was married to a Vietnamese person and their tradition is that you don't put that baby down for the first 30 days. So I got to go out there and hold that wow. child for seven days straight. It was, the wow. most, it was the most incredible thing. And that has bonded us, you know? And so, no, I, I know because I've already had five and then my two bio babies are younger than everybody else. And there's, it's, it's love is love, just like you just said, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, So I, you know, I, if any of you listeners are feeling like, oh, I'm different because I'm just coming into the family now, or I can't possibly love these people or they love me or whatever the same way. That's not necessarily true at all. It takes intention. It takes, you know, you've got to believe it's possible. 
Yeah. And then really get behind what you, what you want to create yeah. and gently, carefully, you know, we don't just dive in and okay, I am now in your life and here's how I'm going to be in your life. So tell me everything. And cause I care. <laughs> I, mean, you know, I think that's that. one thing. Yeah. I've, one thing I've noticed that I do worry sometimes when I've just seen it occasionally um, is yeah. As soon as, if you get with someone, what I've seen sometimes is the step-parent automatically jumps in and tries to be just as you know connected or especially when it comes to discipline as the as the regular parent and it's just you just need to give it more time you know yeah so it takes a little bit of time it takes it can take some time for sure yeah. and sometimes the biological parent i know my father uh, remarried after my mom and dad divorced and he basically in his own way said you will love these people like, oh okay so it's required i'm 14 years old required. you and my mom divorced just a year ago wow. we're still coming off of this whole you know that must have been so hard Cindy. that's and a very impressionable to... age yeah and I, now I'm supposed to just, you know, embrace this new woman and her daughters and, and, you know, I mean, it all, it's all good, but the, there was a strong message of, you know, I love her. So you love her. Mm. Like yeah. oh, I'm 14 dad. Yeah. I'm still kind of upset that you and mom aren't together. <laughs> I'm trying exactly. to figure that out still. Mm -hmm. Exactly. When it's was, when you have kids still growing up, that's a different ball game too. It is. And like I have entered into these yeah. adult lives, you know, as their adult kids. But they, even so, there's a, there's a definite, um, you know, it's a it's a cool thing to intentionally. Uh, I've said that word about fourteen times. I hope you're not tired of it. I do <laughs> know other words in the dictionary, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> You know, it's funny because that word, though, I, you know, I hadn't thought of the word intentional. I mean, I just hadn't thought of the fact that that's what I do is I try to be intentional. And you, I had not thought of it that way until you said it earlier. So it's like, be intentional about what you're going to do. And boy, sometimes all I want to do is lay around. So it's hard to be intentional all the time. But well, it's okay to intentionally lay around. Lay around. No, really. <laughs> You know, right. uh, you know, I recently, well, I was doing a podcast with Amy Rose Carrillo, who you, who yes, you know, I too. love that woman. Yeah. Fantastic. And we were talking about how, you know, we all want to do our best, right? We all want to show up at our best, but some days for some people that's, I'm never getting out of my pajamas and I'm binging on Netflix and that's their best that day. Yeah. And that's okay. You know, yeah. it's like best doesn't mean we're hitting it out of the park 100% of the time, never wavering from what we had in mind or, you know, I mean, it doesn't exactly. mean we're non-reactive. Like I can be very reactive, very reactive, but hopefully it's only about 2% of the time. You know what I mean? It's pretty low. It's a low percentage, but it can happen. Oh, me too. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, um, gosh, so much good, good stuff here. Thank you so much. Um, so as you're thinking about getting older, you know, I mean, we're all aging here and we, we we're entering what some call the wisdom years. <laughs> I don't know. But what, as you think forward now in your life, like what brings you 
the greatest sense of peace or hope about it all. Aging, getting older, all of that. Or does it? <laughs> or is there? No, I, you know, I think probably I'm more at peace than I've ever been in my life. And some of that is just, you know, age. But yeah. um, I think what gives me the most peace and sense of hope are my children, my grandchildren. And honestly, right now, I feel like we're in, we're finding some hope in society. I feel like, I feel like everything that's, it's probably obvious, but everything that's been happening needed to happen and everything that does happen needs to happen so that we can get to wherever it is. And I just feel a lot more hopeful about human humanity right now. Um, well, that's great to hear. I don't hear that very much from people. I like know. That. And I, sometimes I don't feel that way. Um, I'm just, I'm trying really hard to look at it from a spiritual context as mm. opposed to watching what's actually happening on the ground. I do feel like more people are discovering, exploring their spiritual life. And once they do that, I think we're all going to get a lot more peaceful, but it's, this has to happen. I think it has to happen before we can, before we can find that. So, yeah. Yeah. And is there any spiritual concept or belief or philosophy? I'm not even sure what the words are that you, that ground you well, like that you turn to often, like, is there a particular yeah. thing? For me, it is that there is only one source that is active in my life in the universe. And that is God, the good or God, you know, one source, not a man in the cloud with beard and that I am that. <laughs> And that you are that and that we are divinity, that I am part of that. If God is the ocean, and this is not my phrasing, I can't, I can't attribute the quote correctly, but if God is the ocean, then I'm the wave and the ocean can't exist without the wave and the wave can't exist without the ocean. So for me, it's that. It's just constantly recognizing that it's, we're doing what we need to be doing. We're learning, we're loving, we're growing. It's all about it. That's what it's about. So that is a hopeful idea for sure, mm -hmm. for sure. And I, I think people need hope. I really do. I think people need a lot of hope. And I, one of the things I strive to, to say to people in my circles too, and even my clients and so forth who are feeling discouraged in their lives and about the world is I say, you know, there's so much going on that we can't physically see, exactly. like that we don't know. We don't know necessarily what we don't know. Yeah. And I find that not, um, not imbalancing. I find that very balancing. For I me. do too. I trust that. It like makes me feel better. Like, okay, I don't know everything. Right. Like a way to dial that down. If those of you who are listening, you might be thinking, what does she mean? Have you ever had, well, you have, you've all had something happen in life where your life turned on a dime, you know, it went a direction you weren't expecting, or, you know, maybe somebody died or you lost your job or the house burned to the ground, or I don't know, you know, your life pivoted in a really strong, unexpected way. And you thought it was the worst thing that could ever happen. And then as life continued to evolve and you move through it and beyond it, then you started to see or recognize that, oh, actually some very beautiful things came out of that experience. Exactly. Like, and it's being aware of that, right? Because if we don't uh, see those things. Dots, right, connecting mm -hmm. the dots. Yeah. Like I went on a mission trip um, 
six years ago to Africa and I'd always wanted to go on a mission trip and it's a long story how it all came about it came out it just it just was handed into my lap honestly the opportunity I wasn't looking for it right at the moment but the only reason I could pay for that trip at that time was because my father had died a mm. few years before suddenly and left me a little bit of money just a little bit but um because he didn't have a lot of money to leave but I thought oh my gosh you know I mean of course I would rather have my dad back any day of course of course that if he was going to die you know if that was part of you know his death was when it was to be for whatever reason he died suddenly and unexpectedly only 69 years old not much mm -hmm. older than me yeah. And, uh, you know, that really hit us out of left field and it was horrible, awful, difficult. And, uh, you know, all of that, but that's just one thing that trip to Africa, that's just one of, I could tell you many, many things that have evolved from that event into a really lovely way, you yeah. know, and, I, and, and maybe the stitches would have been sewed another way and had the same result without, I don't know, but we don't know what we don't know. And right. it, it can be a comfort. Yes. You know, it really can. So if, if some of you are feeling hopeless or stressed or you just can't see past the foot in front of you because you're so upset about what's happening in your life, maybe that'll give you another way to look at it and something to cling to. So and that's a spiritual perspective in my in my yeah. world there. Feels Absolutely. Like that, that makes so much sense. Yes. So anyway, well gosh, you know, I is there anything else you want to share? This, I mean, you've shared a million nuggets. I can't wait for the wrap up in two days when I share all of your wisdom in a five to 10 minute podcast. <laughs> Listen for that, everybody out there. But is there anything else you want to share that's important? Well, I'm just really grateful to have had this opportunity. You know, it's just, it's really fun. I, I love being with women, especially. I mean, you know, I love my husband and I love my friends that are men, but I love being with women. And that's just... So it's fun to sit and talk to you about this. That's the bottom line. Yeah. Oh, this is just pure joy and delight for me too. So thank you so much. I appreciate your time. When I, when I was going to approach you about it, I thought, oh, now, you know, when people retire, everybody approach them about everything. And I don't want to be that person. But I thought, <laughs> well, you know, it's been a few months and maybe she won't mind giving an hour. Time. Oh my gosh. So I'm one of those people. <laughs> although I probably would have asked you if you were still working full time. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, fun though. I appreciate it so much. Oh, well, thank you. And thanks to all of you who spent the time with us too. We're just, I'm so thrilled that you're here and I hope something was of value for you in this time we spent together. And listen for that wrap up in a couple days. And uh, we'll, we'll just quickly recap, revisit some of the main things that Kathy shared that's been helpful to her over the years. And if you want any more information about my coaching programs that she mentioned or the book uh, that I authored this year, just go to cindydwhitmer.com. So thank you, everybody. And I will talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.